You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. His tomb is empty. They see the place where they laid Him, and He is not there. The women came to the tomb seeking the living among the dead, and they did not find Him, but He Our Lord Jesus found the women who came to the tomb and He found the disciples locked in the upper room and He has found us as well this day. Found us this morning, gathered in His name to rejoice in the truth that He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Dear saints, we consider this the greatest of all truths, the resurrection of Jesus this morning, and we consider it in three ways. First, according to its history, second, according to the future promise, and third, according to its present hope and joy. First, the history. I remember hearing a few, oh, this was years ago, a survey where Christians were asked the question, if the body of Jesus was found, they were, someone was digging around Jerusalem and they found the body of Jesus and they brought him forth and said, look, actually Jesus isn't raised, here he is. Would that change your faith? And most of the Christians answering this survey said no. That they would believe in Jesus even if he was found still dead and buried. And that is the wrong answer. St. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 13, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And we are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, who He did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. So if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are of all people most to be pitied. So far, St. Paul, who wants us to know that the resurrection of Jesus is not a myth or a fairy tale, but it is truth, it is history. Which is why this Easter greeting that we have in the church is so important. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. In truth. In reality. The resurrection of Jesus is not some sort of spiritual truth. It's actual, physical, historical truth. Remember, the chief evidence that the Scriptures offer for the resurrection of Jesus is the empty tomb. I've often wondered why the church on Easter Sunday why we read a gospel text that doesn't mention the resurrected Jesus. Jesus never shows up in the gospel reading. They go to the tomb, and the stone is rolled away, and the angels are there, but there's no Jesus. And the angel talks to them, and they leave the tomb afraid. Why? Why isn't Jesus mentioned? I mean, we have, and we'll hear it uh, tomorrow on Tuesday morning, we'll hear it next Sunday, the appearances of Jesus Uh, to to Mary Magdalene in the garden, to the women on the road, to Peter, to the disciples in the upper room, to the two disciples on the road, to Emmaus. 
But there's a reason I think that this morning we just hear about the empty tomb. Because the empty tomb preaches. And it preaches something very specific. That the body that was there is not there anymore. That particular body, the body that was born of the Virgin Mary, that was whipped and beaten and nailed to the cross, that body was raised. We might be tempted, I suppose, to be one of the people who would answer the survey question, if, G- if we found the body of Jesus, would it matter? We, we'd say, no, we still believe in Him, even if we found Him. But while that sounds pious, it is wrong. It is believing in the wrong Jesus. The Jesus of the church's confession, the Jesus in whom we believe and place our faith, is the Jesus whose dead body was put into the grave and who came up out of the grave three days later. Historical fact. Historical reality. And I think really in some ways that's enough to preach. Just this fact that there was a man named Jesus who was crucified and who was dead and who was buried and on the third day rose again from the dead. It seems like we should just take 30 minutes and sit and think about it or a few hours or maybe just the rest of our lives and think about that, that Jesus Christ is truly risen from the dead. And that fact changes everything. It changes everything we know. It changes everything that we trust. Everything that we hope for. It changes what we love. It changes what we desire. It changes how we live and it changes how we die. From the smallest detail, the the thoughts and imaginations of our own heart, to the biggest events in history, even the, the, the end of the world, the resurrection of Jesus makes a difference. It changes absolutely everything. And I think in this way we're wandering on to the second point which is the promise of the resurrection, the future resurrection. Because Jesus tells us that Jesus is only the first fruits of the resurrection. That that means that He is the first to come up out of the grave, but He will not be the last. In fact, the, the resurrection of Jesus is simply the first of the resurrection of every single person ever to live. Now, on this point, you might question and say, Pastor, Pastor, The Bible tells us about a number of people who were raised from the dead. Remember Lazarus? You were just preaching about Lazarus a couple weeks ago. The widow of Nain's son. Elijah and Elisha the prophets. Paul and Peter the apostles. All raised people from the dead. How can we call Jesus the first fruits of the resurrection if all these other people have come back from the dead? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) In all of these cases, eight times actually in the Bible, we have eight people who who were brought back to life. In all of these cases, it was life being restored to a mortal body. All of these people still had to die. Lazarus isn't still kicking around Jerusalem. He died at some point later. But Jesus' resurrection is different. He is raised immortal. He is perfected. He is now in the resurrection beyond the reach of sin and death never to die again. And this resurrection, this perfected and immortal reunion of body and soul, this is what awaits all believers. Paul keeps preaching in 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 20. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, 
and then at His coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When He delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Paul goes on to explain it like this. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown is in dishonor. What is raised is in glory. It is sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. And this is Paul talking about our own burial. It's quite a stunning picture. How Paul looks at the burial of the Christian is like putting a seed in the garden. And you plant it and you cover it with dirt. And then when the time comes, it grows. So we go to the grave in mortality, in dishonor, in corruption, but we are raised immortal, in glory, and with power. Now, this is talking about the resurrection of the living, the resurrection of believers. There is, the Bible warns us, a resurrection of the unbeliever also, what Jesus himself calls the resurrection of condemnation in John 5. That's where for all of those who do not believe in Christ, the body and soul are reunited, but they are not perfected. And this body and soul reunited is handed over to eternal destruction, to hell itself. And this is why we are here this morning. We're trying to avoid that. In fact, it's why the Holy Spirit is putting into your ears and into your hearts today the Lord's Word so that you would believe and you would have the certain hope of the resurrection, not to condemnation, but the resurrection to life. So for you, Jesus says, and we should treasure these words, John 14, 19. Jesus says to you, because I live, you also will live. So we have this hope. The sure and the certain expectation that on the last day, Jesus will stand on the earth and He will call us out of our graves and our graves on that day will be as empty as the grave of Jesus today. And He will reunite our body and our soul. And He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His heavenly body. And He will usher us into the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness dwells. This is the effect of the resurrection of Jesus on all of history. And the Bible calls this our great hope. In fact, almost all the time when the Bible is talking about hope, it's what it, this is what it is talking about. The resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. And this, I think, takes us already to the third part of the sermon. We had the history of the resurrection. We have the future promise of the resurrection. But now, what about now? What does the resurrection matter today? To answer this question, I'd like to put into your ears the words that Jesus spoke to Martha, who was mourning the death of her brother Lazarus. This is John chapter 11. Jesus says, I am the resurrection And the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now this is the promise for you today. You will never die. Now you say, Pastor, how can this be? I've seen Christians die all the time. And I say, you guys have a lot of questions this morning. (laughs) But that's another good one. There is a spiritual death and a physical death. The spiritual death is condemnation. What we talked about before, judgment from God. Spiritual death is hell. Spiritual death is getting what sinners deserve from God. But Jesus 
in his death and in his resurrection, took the punishment that you and I deserve so precisely so that he can forgive your sins and give to you eternal life. And Jesus gives you this life, this spiritual life, this first resurrection. He gives it to you in baptism. He gives it to you in the preaching of the gospel. He gives it to you in the body and the blood with the forgiveness of sins. He gives you that spiritual life now in and we have that while we wait for the gift of eternal, eternal physical life in the resurrection. So in this passage, Jesus is talking about both. Both physical and spiritual life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's the resurrection of the body. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That is the resurrection of faith. The forgiveness of sins. And that is what you have today. This is, this is what it means to be set free by Jesus. This is the hope and the confidence and the glory and the salvation that the resurrection of Jesus brings to us today. And it sets us free to live and it sets us free also to die. Remember the picture. Now, I can't think of a better picture, so I have to preach this picture every Easter till I come up with a better illustration. And you get to hear it every Easter till I come up with a better one, but it's, it's the best I got. Remember that you're standing in a line, a long line. Everybody in the world is in it. And one at a time, the people at the front of the line are stepping through a veil, a curtain. And, they, and you hear after they step through the curtain, you hear these two thuds. The closer you get, you start to see the outline, what's happening behind the veil. Just very hazy, you get to see that, that, that there's some sort of thug who's standing there on the other side of the veil, and he has a sledgehammer. And you, you're able to identify the two thuds because when someone steps through the veil, you see the sledgehammer come down and crush them. That's the first thud. And then their body hits the ground. That's the second one. And they're dragged off. And you no longer want to be in this line. (laughs) But you can't get out. And every minute you're getting closer and closer to the front. That's a frightful picture. But then someone, you can't believe it, someone comes and cuts in front of you. What's he doing? And you have your eyes on this one because he seems a little bit curious. And he, he goes through the veil before you And just like everyone else who went through the veil, he is crushed on the head and he falls over in a heap and they come to haul the body away. But but then something different happens. You see his body move a little bit. You see him shake a little and, and then you see him stand up and turn and face the thug with the sledgehammer and take it from his hand and smash him with the sledgehammer and toss it off to the side. And now this one turns and faces through the veil with his arms stretched out waiting for you. (laughs) Jesus died, but Jesus rose and destroyed the power of death. Took away the sting of death. Destroyed the authority of death, and rescued you from the fear of death. He has forgiven you all of your sins. 
And He has borne the condemnation for you so that you could hear the verdict of His kindness and His love. And He is the one who waits for you on the other side of this veil of tears. I am the resurrection and the life, says Jesus. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. This is true. This is good. And dear friends, this is your life. Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Hallelujah. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.